Morning, everyone. Reading today is from John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Morag, for that. So the theme that Paul asked me to speak on this morning is light in the darkness. And it's a theme that is very appropriate for Christmas, isn't it? Lights, as Paul has already said, um, are very much associated with Christmas. We've seen so many lights around people's houses, on their trees, and candles. What is the connection? We're going to think about that a little more. And what I wanted to do this morning was, rather than preach a sermon, it's more telling a story the story of light. So we're going to begin at the beginning with chapter 1, a beginning. In Genesis, when it talks about the earth, in those first few verses, it says that they were formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. You get this brooding sense, don't you, of darkness, as almost as, like a presence and the first thing that God speaks into this situation, the first thing that he says, 
is let there be light. And there was light. Bang. A big bang, maybe. But there was light suddenly coming into that situation. And when light comes in, darkness disappears, doesn't it? You can't have light and dark in the same place. Darkness is the absence of light, and light is the absence of darkness. And yet, not all the darkness disappeared, because we're repeatedly reminded in, in the story of creation that there was evening and morning, there was night and day, there was light and darkness. So we find at the beginning of our story, this tension exists between the dark and the light. God had said the light was good, and he'd separated the light from the darkness to make day and night. Chapter 2 is called a lamp. What does light do? Well, light, of course, allows us to see things more clearly, doesn't it? Anybody who's got up in the middle of the night and stubbed their toe on something or other will know the difference that light makes in our life. It allows us to see clearly. And in the Bible, light is also used as a picture of seeing God clearly, being able to see what God is like, see his nature, understand him. Well, God wanted people to be able to understand him, despite living in a world of darkness. And so we find in the Bible this, this epic story of uh, God choosing Abraham and through his descendants creating this nation, Israel, and giving them special insight into himself, shining his light on them. He saved them, didn't he, from the people of Egypt, that great redemption story. He took them to Mount Sinai, and there he gave them these special laws, these instructions that would allow them to live in the light of God's presence by daily and uh, annually and rituals that, that would help them to focus back on God and live that light. One of their songwriters in Psalm 119 used these words, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I imagine this lamp being held up aloft. A lamp to my feet and a light for my path. What he meant was, here it is. God has given us this gift that allows us to see how to walk before him. But the people didn't always follow that light. They stumbled. Sometimes they left the path. Sometimes the lamp was too heavy to carry high. That was where they should have held it so that other nations would be drawn to him. But, but no, sometimes it was too heavy and sometimes they dropped it altogether. It's a sad part of the story, isn't it? That, that although they had the lamp, they couldn't walk by the light of the lamp. Chapter 3 is a promise. How will God resolve this problem? Well, God gave that people some special people, prophets who would speak into the situation and bring God's word to them. And Isaiah was one of those prophets. 
And Isaiah had a lot to say about how the people had failed to walk by the light of God. But he also had within his prophecies these moments, these nuggets that spoke of something else, a promise, something to come. In Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 2, he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A great light. This isn't some lamp anymore. This is a massive light. If you like, compare the lamp to the sun. A great light. And he talked a bit more about this later in the section uh, of Isaiah. And this is, these are words we've heard before in the Christmas services we've had. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. That is a promise, isn't it? That is a promise to look forward to. There are hundreds of years between some of these chapters. And between this promise and the next chapter, we again have to wait hundreds of years. And to us as human beings, that seems, well, it is a very long time. But this is all part of God's story, the expanding and story of light that stretches from the beginning of time through into eternity. But we reach chapter 4, an arrival. It was a dark night on the hills outside of Bethlehem. The shepherds had settled the sheep and they were gathering together around a small fire, keeping watch. Because who knew what was out there in the darkness? And then suddenly, an angel appears and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. The light came and pierced into the darkness. And then the angel brought this good news of a baby who had been born, a savior. And then suddenly the whole sky is filled with angels and light takes over. Meanwhile, a group of men from a country far away have been studying another source of light, a star brighter than all the others, shining in the sky that would lead them to the place where Jesus was. In that passage that was read to us from chapter 1 of John, his introduction to his story about Jesus, he talks about light a lot. He uses this image. He says the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. This was Jesus the light of the world. And he also talks about the word. Did you notice he talks about the word? And of course, the word was meaning Jesus in that context. Jesus was the light, he was the word. And John takes Jesus right back to the beginning, to look back to chapter one of our story in the beginning, when he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. He talks about Jesus being there from the beginning, even though he only just appears in chapter 4 of our story as a baby. He was there in the beginning. And because he was the word, it resonates too, doesn't it, with the lamp. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus has been there 
throughout our story. But where does the story go now? Surely now the great light has arrived. And that promise from Isaiah, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Well, no, it doesn't quite go straight to that ending. Chapter 5 is called a light bulb moment. The child grew into a man, and the man was 30 years old before he did something that, or at least that we're aware of, that he did something that started to spread that light more widely. He became a teacher and healer around the towns and villages of Galilee and the rest of Israel. And he, he gathered with him a group of people, but you'd have to describe them as a bit of a, a mixed bunch. Fisherman, tax collector, revolutionary. These were not the high-level scholars and academics that other rabbis were gathering around them. But gradually, those people started to understand something of the light that Jesus was shedding about who God was. And there was a slow dawning of who Jesus was and what he meant when he said, I am the light of the world. One of his disciples, Philip, in John chapter 14, is a bit frustrated because Jesus has been talking about going away and going to be with the Father. And Philip says, well, show us the Father. That's what we want. This is why we followed you. We want to see God. We want to understand God. Show us the Father. And Jesus replies, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Wow, that's, that's quite a statement, isn't it, for somebody to make. You want to see the Father? Look at me. Jesus is the great light who shines to show us clearly what God is like. He is the image of God. You want to see what God looks like? Look at Jesus. But then there's a shocking twist to our story because towards the end of the Gospels, the light is extinguished. Jesus is crucified. This great light who has come is snuffed out. And in Luke's Gospel, he talks about three hours of darkness descending when Jesus died. The light is gone. Or has it? No. We know the story. Two days later, on the third day, the great light is back. He shines on. He has beaten death. He cannot be extinguished. John talks about the light shining in the darkness and the darkness not understanding it, not overcoming it, not being able to put it out. This is the Jesus that we know. And so we come to this point in the story, and, and surely this is the point when we reach that climax where Isaiah talks about the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Jesus is back. He's beaten death. But no, that's not the way the story goes. Chapter 6 is called a slow burn. And unexpectedly, what happens here is that Jesus, having 
having returned from the dead and after appearing to his disciples for a short time, he disappears from the scene. Physically, he's no longer there. And he leaves these people behind, his disciples, his followers. And he's given them his spirit. And he's told them, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. So having come as the great light, he's now left them to be the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now Paul has already explained this very well. That that light isn't about something that comes from us. It's a light that we are called to reflect. As God's light shines on us like mirrors, we are called to reflect that light. And slowly, over time, this light has dawned on people through history and across the world. I love those pictures, don't you, from space where they, they look down and they see lights and they can see where people have, are living. Well, it's a bit like that. The light of God shines in the lives of his people, reflecting God's light. So is this the, have we reached the end then? Is this God's promise that as people slowly come to know him and his light is known through the world, through his people, that that is the end of the story, a gradual glow around the world. No, there is another twist. We come to chapter 7, which I've called a new beginning. It's the last chapter, but it's a new beginning because God talks about a new order. We, we started at the beginning, didn't we, in Genesis. We've reached now towards the end of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, in the last couple of chapters, talks clearly about the new order that God will bring in this wonderful story. He will no longer be hidden. His provision will be abundant and clear to all. And in Revelation chapter 22, it says there will be no more night, there will be no more darkness they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. This is the ultimate climax of the story of light. When God fulfills that promise from Isaiah, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. So we've spanned the whole story, haven't we? From the beginning to the end. But this is why we celebrate Christmas, because right in the middle of that story, right in the middle is this moment when the great light, when Jesus comes into the world. He has come to save us. And that doesn't mean the story's over. We're now in chapter 6. We're in that period when we can respond to that great light. We haven't reached the end. We're still living in a world that has light and darkness. And we're still called to reflect that great light. But the good news is that light has come. It shines in the darkness. And it shines through us. Amen.